The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Few experiences stir the emotions and throw a person into crisis as illness does, affecting not only the body, but the spirit and the soul. Yet the current healthcare system is not structured around these considerations. Doctors and other medical professionals are trained to treat the body part or organ and not the whole person. Despite the scientific advancements of modern medicine, the hospital can be a cold, sterile environment, and for that reason alone, people are not finding overall health and well-being in many of our health centers. My guest today is Thomas Moore, author of over 17 books, one whom I came across when I read Care of the Soul that he released back in 1992. He's just released two weeks ago, Care of the Soul in Medicine. And this addresses the importance of healing a person rather than simply treating the body. He shares stories from his personal and professional life and gives advice to both healthcare providers and patients in maintaining dignity and humanity, providing spiritual guidance for dealing with the feelings of mortality and threat and encouraging patients to not only take an active part in healing, but also view illness as a positive passage to new awareness. I'd like to welcome Thomas Moore to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you here because I think this is such a necessary conversation, particularly with the direction that our health care system is going and with so many of the challenges that not only patients face, but I, th- I think also hospitals and those in the medical profession face just from the pressures of society. Yeah, so what I, what I wanted to do in writing this book was to keep the patient and the health care giver together, not separated, as we usually do. So I wanted to speak to both, and that's, what, that's my, my concern, is to, is to uh, uh, tell patients how you can be a real person as you go into the health care system and to re- remind doctors and nurses that uh, they are people and and entered their profession as people with a great deal of idealism, and they're dealing with real people. Absolutely, and and with our fast-paced society, and I think oftentimes the desire to fix a problem, we don't necessarily allow that soulful aspect, and and, and there are several areas in this book that I really want to dive into, and one of those particular areas is there is a difference between spirit and soul, and that was one of the most profound things that I found in this book was really delineating that, because I think people kind of tag the same name with both. 
That's true. I, I follow a very old philosophy um, that, that makes a distinction between the two, and it's, it would take days to, to try to figure it out. But in short, it's uh, the spirit... The spirituality really takes us beyond ourselves, and it's so important to be able to reach beyond ourselves uh, because we really, you know, we have limitations. We need to be able to pray, to meditate, to connect with the life and the world uh, far beyond us. On the other hand, we also have a very deep inner life. It's bottomless of emotion, of memory. Uh, uh, Our relationships are much, much deeper than we think they are our attachments to home and family, and all of these things, from the highest to the lowest to the deepest, are involved in our illness and should be involved in our healing. And when you speak of the soul, we are talking about everything encompassing uh, our internal essence, but you also speak of home and family Mm -hmm. and love and bringing that connection into the hospital and addressing the concerns that go towards them as well. That's right, and I mean it in a very concrete way too. That uh, we could we, we could make families feel really involved in the care of their family members because a lot of times, and I know this so well from my own experience, you go to the hospital as a family member, and you might feel that you're interfering with all of this activity going on, and you don't know all that technology, and you don't know the language, and and so you kind of back away, and yet at the same time. Uh, you know, your family member, in my case, I remember my mother dying five years ago. Uh, you know, it means everything to be able to be there and care for her and make sure she gets the best care. Now, let's back up a little bit. When when you started considering writing this book, um, there, there's a story in the beginning where you, you work with a woman that was having skin lesions. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how that, uh, in the introduction of this book, really helped to bring this material forward. Well, that happened when I was a psychotherapist. uh, Years ago, I I made my living doing psychotherapy, and I love that work. And and I tell the story how one night a woman came to me, and she was scheduled for surgery the next morning. Yeah, it had something to do with a skin problem. I don't remember the exact issue, but it was very serious. And she came uh, in the evening, rather unusual, you know, quite late in the evening to talk to me. And we talked about her family and the conflicts that she had and her history. We really covered a lot in in about an hour. And she called me the next morning and said that her surgery had been canceled because all the skin problems had just disappeared. Now, that was was really um, a striking experience for me because uh, it was so graphic to let me know that just talking, first of all, and then um, uh, deep emotions can uh, have an effect on the body. I think people understand that the skin is particularly susceptible to emotional reaction. But I think probably all aspects, I mean, every part of our body also reacts to emotion. We just don't understand that. We haven't, we haven't explored it nearly enough. I agree. And I, there's a book by Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life, where it's, it's definitely tapped into that uh, most of our illness does stem from emotional cause and blockage where we are not addressing ourselves. And it's it's almost as if our body or the universe is allowing us to have something to focus on so that maybe we will stop and look inside a little bit. I think that's a very good way to look at it, that when it comes to the point where it's a physical manifestation, 
first of all, it's progressed quite a ways. I mean, you're far beyond now, beyond just intuitions and and emotion. You're you're now you know getting to something that's going to threaten your health and your life maybe. And and that's like saying, well, you better wake up. I mean, this is your last call. You don't have another chance, really. There's nothing beyond this. Well, and I, I totally understand the story that you spoke of with the uh, woman with the skin lesions. I had a very similar experience with a client that I worked with. And many people in our society can identify this. They're kind of like these hamsters on a wheel. Many have become workaholics. They just go, 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 project, and deadline after deadline. And a woman came to me. She was about to have thyroid surgery in a few days. And, in again, just talking with her and working with her and doing some breath work and allowing her to hear her own inner voice, uh, she left a few hours later, and she called me two days later saying, they canceled the surgery, that there was no need for it any longer. Mm -hmm. So if those types of things are somehow implemented before or even in the process of uh, someone's medical journey, could a lot of what people experience be eliminated? Well, that's the whole point of my book, really. I'm saying that if... um, I I don't want to say that, you know, in some sort of mystical way that that we can just uh, miraculously cure our illnesses. What I'm trying to say is that our emotions and our, our sense of meaning and our relationships are all involved. And if we are dealing with them positively and really dealing with those things, even the relationship with the healthcare workers, and if the environment is a healing environment where we really feel that there's a chance that we're going to get better, I think those emotions and feelings contribute a great deal to the to the ultimate success of whatever healthcare process is going on. It's almost like uh, a wheel that we we have these extensions of ourselves that we need to to allow awareness, the mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, all around us, for complete wholeness to truly occur. Well, we have these emotions anyway. I mean, the fact is, you know, you go to a doctor or you go into a hospital, you're going to feel anxious. And it's interesting where our thoughts go. You know, it doesn't take much to get your thoughts moving in the direction of of mortality. The fact that your life is limited and maybe up until that point you never really thought of yourself that way. I mean, you know, an awful lot of people really, really live as though they're going to live forever. And when the illness comes, the serious illness comes, that's their first taste of, of this awareness that that you're not going to be around on this planet forever. And that's a shock. That can be a real shock. But at the same time, it can be a very positive development because that means that you have entered the human race, that you've become more mature. And in a way, that illness then has helped you. And, and typically, illness is there to be a gift. It, it, it doesn't always feel like it. It doesn't look like it. Uh, but all of these things that happen, whether it is something that is on a physical level or an emotional level, it's, it's that gift of awakening that we can really jump into if we allow ourselves. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, in, our, in our particular philosophy that's so dominant today, and people just unconsciously adopt for themselves, they don't really think things through. In our, in our philosophy today, um, illness is, is something that interferes with life as we know it. Life should be, we think, something that constantly hums along perfectly, and, and there are no problems, and, and nothing's going to interfere with, this, with our, our plans. 
And yet, when illness comes along, it's a shock to us because suddenly we can't do what we had always hoped to do. And we have limitations that we don't want. Uh, so in a way, it corrects this philosophy that's around us. It corrects it because I can tell you as a psychotherapist that even at the emotional level, um, things happen in people's lives that are very challenging and difficult and dark. Uh, it's just part of life. And if you don't see life that way, then I think you're, you're, you're in for some really shocking experiences. I had a teacher once that told me that life shows up as pebbles, rocks, and boulders, and that we first get the little pebbles, and when we don't pay attention to those, then they become rocks. And when we don't pay attention to that, we get the boulder, which oftentimes is that serious illness that we weren't necessarily uh, hoping for. My guest today is Thomas Moore. His latest book, Care of the Soul in Medicine, represents his vision for improving health care. It spells out how healthcare workers can care for their patients as whole persons, body, soul, and spirit. While sharing stories from his personal and professional life, he gives advice to both health care workers, providers, and patients for maintaining dignity of humanity, providing spiritual guidance for dealing with feelings of mortality and threat, encouraging patients to not only take an active part in healing, but also view illness as a positive passage to new awareness. He recommends allowing ourselves to feel and go into those places and allowing the soul to be nurtured if it's in a hospital environment. You can connect to Thomas Moore at careofthesoul.net. You'll find out more about his many books and tapes, his writings, and also any events that he has coming up. That's careofthesoul.net. We'll be right back with Thomas Moore. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? 
will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. What I want to be when I grow up by Johnny Mike. Dad, it's John. I got the promotion. We'll call him John Jr. You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Thomas Moore depicts a beautiful story in the Acts of Peter and the Twelve Apostles agnostic text in which Jesus goes by the name Lethargol. It, wor- it breaks down into the Greek word lithos meaning stone and argos meaning silver. Around Jesus' waist he wears a packet of medicine. He is the healer and promises to give people pearls. But he means himself. He is the pearl. He is the medicine. Just as doctors and nurses and all of us in our healer capacity are the real medicine. I'm with Thomas Moore, author of the latest book, Care of the Soul in Medicine, Healing Guidance for Patients, Families, and the People Who Care for Them. He is an author of over 17 books, and you can find out more about him at careofthesoul.net. But this book represents his vision for improving health care. It is to support healthcare workers and patients so that they can connect to the healing of body, soul, and spirit. Uh, welcome back, Thomas. Thank we you were so having much. an interesting conversation, and I have one real big question just because in our Western society we have become more materialistic and we have come, become caught up in so much uh, quickness and, and fast moving uh, projects and, and things like that. How do we get hospitals to understand that we have to address the soul when so often we don't even address our own soul as human beings? Well, that's a, that's a very, very good point. Um, I sometimes say that, uh, um, that we would be treated better in, hospi- in our hospital or in medical care if just going to the doctor if we cared for ourselves better. I mean, sometimes you expect uh, these professionals to change and transform and and have this wonderful big open heart and everything, but you really can't expect that unless we also have that ourselves. And I think we need to teach the professionals through our own being. So uh, people ask me sometimes, well, what can I do to have my doctor treat me as a real person? And I say, well, the first thing you have to do is treat yourself as a real person and show the world that that's who you are. Don't present yourself as an, as one more object or commodity. Uh, you know, love your life, love the people around you. Uh, don't do anything that is impersonal 
or that makes you feel like you're just a, you know, a, 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 a machine of some kind, uh, just an object. Uh, keep that in mind all the time, and I think people will will see that in you, and they may be confused at first, but they're going to have to come around eventually to being the kind of person that you need. Well, and there there is a definite philosophy that everything around us is a mirror. And so if we're receiving certain experiences in our outside world, perhaps that is how we're treating ourselves. And in changing how we treat ourselves, we create that shift or we become that example or we are the change that needs to be seen so that others can create that in that external experience. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. And it's 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 a much deeper issue than you can even think of, than any of us can think of. It's so important. What does it mean, though? It means uh, it means that you never let anything go by. I think what we have to do in this world, especially, is uh, we have to understand that the world is out there to treat us as an object, and it's it's not anyone's fault. It's just the philosophy of the time. No one individual is responsible. We've got this far. We we need to change it. We need to reach a tipping point where enough of us don't want to live this life, so it changes, but we're not at that point yet. So we have to do it individually. And any individual act that we do, especially when the world is showing us that it wants us to be an object, anything we do to say, look, I'm a person, uh, treat me this way, and maybe even treat those people as as real people, uh, I think that's the first step that has to be made. You can't wait around for the world to change. Can we ask our hospitals or caregivers to create the environments that we need or let us have the music in the rooms that we want or uh, bring certain nurturing objects. You talk about how the soul, uh, some of the, the, the clutter, the, the good clutter, the nurturing clutter that we have in our homes is what we need in our environment if we're having to be in a hospital rather than sometimes the sterile walls that are there. Are those things that... that will be allowed or, or that we should, I don't want to say fight for, but um, at least uh, strongly request for? Well, there, there are two points, uh, two suggestions I would make. One is that we do have to articulate very simply and clearly what we're thinking. So many people enter a medical environment and they're thinking all these things. They're, they have so much going on internally, but they don't say anything. I think what we need to do is express ourselves very clearly. And it doesn't mean that you make huge demands on people. You simply you simply let them know how you're feeling. You could say, look, you could say to a doctor or a nurse, you'd say, you know, I'm, I'm about to be x-rayed. This feels so impersonal. It feels so cold. Isn't, isn't there something we can do? I could imagine and maybe give some suggestions. Or in a hospital room, say, this is really not very comfortable. Would you like to live in a you know, spend time in a room like this. How about if, you know, we bring some plants, I have my family bring some photographs and some objects that are important to me. That's one way to do it. Put into words what you're feeling. And the second thing is a little different, and that is that sometimes we have to try to beat the rules. You know, I mean, like hospitals have all these rules and expectations. And and sometimes what you have to do is just cheat them somehow. You know, you have to... <laughs> You have to just say, I'm not going to participate, and in your own way, you can let things be a little more humane than the rules would allow. And I think you'll find that if you don't do it in a hostile way, in an aggressive way, do it in a kind way, um, I think you'll find the hospital workers will cooperate with you.
And what about before we get to the hospital? Uh, so often uh, there are physicians that if you address them with some alternative concepts, they're very uh, distant from them or they don't view them as valid alternatives, um, not even wanting to work in combination with them. So how do we walk that fine line of being able to trust ourselves enough to know when we perhaps need something alternative? And that's not to discount medicine because we definitely do need that as well, um, but, but to be able to create the balance. Well, you're right. We're in a tough position because some of the, some of the people out there, the doctors especially, who can help us most, uh, who have these skills and have the knowledge, that just haven't got around yet to realizing, you know, that people are important too. And they don't have great people skills. Part of it is that they've just had this long education when they're just caught up so much in the technicalities that they've never even thought about, and they, they don't know how to deal with people. And they're kind of afraid, many of them. I've talked to many, many doctors about all this. Uh, there's a lot of fear uh, on their part just about people. So what do we do with that? Well, I don't think you can convert them. It's not going to happen. You know, the patient is not going to convert them. It may happen once in a rare while, but not usually. So I think what you do is, uh, first of all, you look for people in the medical environment. If it's, if it's a medical center or if it's a doctor's office, you try to find somebody who has a heart, you know, who, I mean, you know someone who's right there uh, uh, living from their heart. You connect with them and let them be your means to let things happen. This, this really works in medical settings. Uh, another possibility is what today is happening a lot is that uh, there are advocates for patients. Now, in some cases, there are nurses who are called nurse navigators whose job is to help the patient deal with doctors like that. Uh, another thing you can do is use one of your family members who is good with the uh, hospital and medical world um, I think in most families, uh, you may find that there are 10 people who just don't know what to do with it, and there's one person who feels great about just, you know, dealing with doctors and nurses and that sort of thing. I think that we have to, we need some help as we go through this process. And, and even the doctors themselves need a certain amount of support. I know I, I come from uh, a family, my husband's family is a long lineage of doctors, and I have seen how many of them have gotten so exhausted, and some have gotten to the point of not even caring about medicine anymore. And I think that's another conversation which we will have after this commercial break. The care of the soul. .net is the website that you can go to to connect with Thomas Moore. He has just written a wonderful book released two weeks ago, Care of the Soul in Medicine, Healing Guidance for Patients, Families, and for the People Who Care for Them. This book is a kind of manifesto written by Thomas Moore, who is a reflective patient and not a physician or medical researcher. It's a wake-up call and initial charting of a new, all-embracing approach to medicine. It's not a grand detour into new age or esoteric kind of healing, but a close examination of medicine as it is practiced today, with suggestions from a layman as to how we can expand and embrace the whole person. This is a good time, this year, this decade, to imagine a different future for medicine. This is the time to move in a new direction and not merely expand on the old one. This is the time for us all to become healers of persons rather than technicians of the body. Connect with Thomas Moore at careofthesoul.net, and we'll be right back with more of this great discussion. 
extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. The results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone we'll need to perform a surgery. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. If you are looking for your soul, look deep into any aspect of your life. Go down into it, deep into memory, deep into feelings, into your deepest thoughts. There is the soul, like a spring from which life pours out. The mind is part of the life of spirit. The mind appreciates clear logic, information, orderly thinking, research, proofs, and definition. The soul is different. It prefers poetry and art, insight, reflection, nuance, layers of meaning, mystery, and imagination. Both are valuable and necessary, but they are different in their goals and their methods. That was a portion of this wonderful new book by Thomas Moore, careofthesoul.net. I urge you to pick it up, whether you are a caregiver, a health professional, or just an individual as a patient so that you change your experience of the healthcare system and in turn support the changes that could go on in our world in the healthcare system. We were speaking about how individuals can start to ask for what they want and trust themselves and find caregivers in hospital and health professionals that 
maybe are more open-hearted to many ways uh, incorporated in their healing. What about the doctors, though? You know, so many of them have gone through long years of schooling. So many of them have the pressures of meeting certain goals, getting certain charts done. There's just there's so much pressure for them, and I think they tend to ignore their own soul callings. They they work long hours. What? How do we help our healthcare professionals? I think that the 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 thing that that the healthcare professional, especially a doctor, has to understand is that they are in fact called to a very very special role in the, their community. It's it's a place of honor, and it, I, I I would think of it as a spiritual calling. I don't think a doctor is just a technical person. A doctor is called to be someone who really touches on the great mysteries of life. I mean, illness is a mystery. It's not. You know, we try to explain it away, but in fact, it's a mysterious thing. Why? Why do? Why does one person get seriously ill and another doesn't? Why do? Why do two people who have the same illness, uh, one recover and one doesn't? Uh, it's a very mysterious thing. Why this illness at this particular time? Now, the doctor is involved in this world of great mysteries, and if if you just look around the world, you see that in many cultures and in many times. The the doctor was also a spiritual leader, and that makes sense. But our doctors today are are really trained to be secular figures, even though they're called to a spiritual profession. And uh, so I think that is the the problem. They're called to something that's huge, and they feel the pressure of it, and they don't have the spiritual backing to help them deal with the role that they live, and so they get burned out by it. Or they just get get worn down by it. That's because they don't have the spiritual vision that would sustain them. And you're right, because many of the indigenous cultures, many of uh, the societies around the world, they have shamans or they have healers or they have people in their communities that they go to for things. But what's also incorporated in that experience would be things such as prayer or meditation or simply even talking with the individual that would make a huge difference in in the healing capacity of someone. There's something else that the shaman has, among other figures. The shaman especially is someone who is connected to the figures of this invisible world. Uh, Now, I don't want to make it sound too naive. I don't mean it literally or naive, but just that the shaman's connected to a deep interior world and therefore doesn't have to heal himself or herself you know the shaman doesn't have to actually feel that i am the person responsible whether this patient uh gets better or not the the shaman is an intermediary between a realm of mystery and the suffering person our doctors feel that they're the ones that have to fix the person I think that's the difference. That's the whole difference. And it's not something that a human being can bear. A human being can't get along that way because uh, it's it's asking too much. But what I recommend in the book is that the doctors need to be bigger people, meaning that they have to have a huge imagination. They have to have a very large sense of who, of of their calling so that uh, they're able to, to deal with these vast uh, mysteries that surround them. And is this something that needs to be part of the responsibility 
of the institution that a doctor is at or the office? Or is this something you think uh, that if medical schools and nursing schools incorporated into their programs, it would actually be seeded from the beginning? Well, it, I th- you know, I do think that the best play- way to do it would be to get it into the medical schools. And um, I've been to many medical schools, have talked to many students and to uh, faculty in various countries uh, in preparation for this book. And uh, I understand it's very difficult to penetrate that realm because uh, they feel that they're really booked. You know, they they have plenty to do just teaching the technological aspects of medicine. And when they hear a talk about the spirituality of medicine, um, they think it's a bit new agey or hokey or not very real and not dependable and not nearly as sophisticated as the science that they're studying. So one of the things I do, I really try very, very hard to present myself in these places as someone who has some sophistication about all these things and try to present them in ways that are not that are not sentimental and not uh, not too far out. I mean, I mean, try to say, I try to meet them and say, you know, you could keep your intelligence and you could really maintain all of your knowledge about the technological aspects of medicine. And you would find that that my movement into this spiritual side of medicine is equally sophisticated and equally intelligent. And now more than ever, there are so many conversations and conferences around quantum physics and how energy healing and the mind and the heart and the brain and all of these things uh, are incorporated also with the energy of the body. So perhaps the the crumbling of our healthcare system as it is will promote this conversation even more? Well, you know, there, I, uh, I, I, um, I don't know what to say because my own personal approach has not been to try to justify my spiritual understanding of, of illness and medicine through uh, kind of a new science or, or try to prove through science that these things work. I, I just can't bring myself to do that. I, because what I think it does, it keeps us in that realm of this, where science is the final uh, judge over what's true and what isn't true. I don't want to get into that myself. I have colleagues and friends who do that, and I admire them tremendously for doing it. And probably it has to be done, maybe the only way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, you're such a spiritual figure. I mean, you've written amazing books, and, and all of them have a spiritual essence. Many in the medical profession are so linear, and they need that scientific yes. that perhaps we need to meet them where they are. I think you're absolutely right. I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't. It's just not in me. I, I just don't have the, the patience. I think ultimately that's. I think it's very good right now. You're right. That's where we are, and that's what has to be done. But it's not something I want to do because ultimately, in the long run, it still enthrones uh, this scientific philosophy. I'm not speaking against science. What I'm speaking against and criticizing is transforming the ultimate values of our lives uh, into science so that we, the scientist gives us the final judge of what is real and what isn't. I don't think that's valid because in the long run, that, that really keeps everything materialistic, and I don't think that's how we should live. Well, and what I think is so valuable about this particular book, Care of the Soul in Medicine, is 
it is almost the bridge, it, or it is the bridge. It, it's that bit of spirituality that's not shoved down people's throats, but really just makes practical sense when you sit down and read it. It, it showcases that there is another side to humanity that we maybe not are paying attention to, uh, particularly in those kinds of environments. Yes, I think you're right. I, I do. I, I work very hard to want. I want to be the bridge, but I, what I want to do is I want to. I want to uh, talk to doctors and others as as colleagues and as intelligent people and say, look, uh, this is uh, what I'm saying here is is a bit tough. I, I, I'm not going to try to try to coddle things. I'm not going to try to, you know, obviously build bridges to you. I want to take you as a colleague and say, listen. For, for centuries, very intelligent people have explored uh, illness and medicine in a way that's far beyond the merely scientific. You know, we, we, we had a century, the 20th century, where we really brought that, this scientific approach to illness to a peak. Now we're in the 21st century. We have a chance to not to criticize or limit that, but to expand it and to find new life. And I'll tell you, you doctors, you will find relief from some of the pressures you have by expanding your ideas of what medicine's all about. Well, because so much of what you're talking about in listening to the soul and caring for the soul, it will allow people to do a certain level of their own healing, their own reconciliation. And one of those very practical ways is just even in the environments of what hospitals or doctor's offices look like. Uh, you talk about healing wells or you talk about bringing more plants in and, and different types of things that will just kind of nurture the individual so that they feel perhaps more at home or more at ease. Yes, I think this is a very sophisticated issue, This making a healing physical environment. Uh, our hospitals, are, are uh, they exist, they portray and they give off a certain uh, a atmosphere. And we have to change it. And through the addition of such things like fountains and healing wells, uh, installation of ponds, moving water, we evoke a spirit of healing. The Greeks referred to this atmosphere created by pools, streams, and marshes as nymphs. A good artist and architect could evoke one of these healing nymphs and transform a functional healthcare operation into a place of healing. I am with Thomas Moore. He is the author of Care of the Soul in Medicine, just recently released two weeks ago. You can find out more about him at careofthesoul.net. He also speaks of, and if you go to his website, he has a Buddha on the, on the front page of his website. Religious iconography shows the lapis lazuli radiant healing Buddha as a colorful, peaceful, and comforting healing presence. In this form, Buddha is shown surrounded by a brilliant blue color as he holds a bowl of medicine in one hand and a healing plant in the other. Vows associated with this Buddha urge the caregiver to heal with his presence and his radiance. We see the same radiance in the halo around Jesus' head and the radiant background to various depictions of the Buddha. We all radiate the quality of our souls, both good and bad. It doesn't take much to pick up the radiance of care around a nurse or the radiance of expertise behind a doctor. Join me in just a few minutes, and we'll continue the conversation with Thomas Moore, careofthesoul.net.
awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Just what is Skills USA? Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. Find out more on the web at skillsusa.org. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The future of medicine is not only in new technical developments and research discoveries. It is also in appreciating the state of the soul and spirit in illness and redefining the way in which the patient is cared for. Thomas Moore, the best-selling author and psychotherapist, has written numerous books on spirituality, including Writing in the Sand, Soulmates, Life at Work, and the New York Times bestseller, Care of the Soul. He has now created this new book, Care of the Soul in Medicine, an approach for caregivers, those in the healthcare care system, and for patients, 
so that they can care for themselves as whole persons, body, soul, and spirit. Welcome back, Thomas. We were talking about the environments and how incorporating perhaps natural materials or certain uh, types of images and, and things in, as if in opposition to maybe some of the sterile environments or the very wide open spaces that so many hospitals have uh, to bring maybe more warmth into the area rather than the cold, more isolated feeling that exists. Yes, there are so many dimensions to the physical environment. Uh, one of them that I'm interested in is the fact that illness is something that is very, um, uh, what would you say, it's uh, so basic, so uh, uh, fundamental in, in our experience. Uh, I mean, it, you know, a lump forms in your body, and that, that could be a signal of your mortality. I mean, it's amazing, you know, how these things, that a rash can be significant, a cough, a little blood, and suddenly you're face-to-face with the whole meaning of your life. Everything is there. So I have a feeling, my sense is that a, a healing environment is one that also has that very fundamental, austere, not, not austere, I don't mean that, uh, fundamental, basic, raw, natural quality to it, just as our bodies are. So I think it would be useful in a, in a medical setting to have uh, these natural materials, like a lot of, of wood, uh, raw wood maybe, stone, uh, iron, uh, ceramic, uh, te- textile, uh, these things that are that are natural, because our, our the whole idea of being sick is a natural experience. If we if we're surrounded by this kind of material instead of the plastic, and and the the manufactured so much, or even if we just had some, you know, some flowing water and some uh, just a big rock somewhere, it would be so strong to put us in touch with with. Uh, this thing that has happened to us. Most definitely in creating 1111 Magazine, which is a magazine devoted to the journey of the soul, I knew it had to be a sensory experience. It had to have color and the paper had to smell good and it had to feel good. And that, in a sense, has to happen in a hospital. I mean, I know my son has been in and out of the hospital this past uh, holiday season quite a bit. And the thing that kept striking me was all of the noises and the beeps and the phones and the mm. the clankings and all of these things that were going on, and it, it was just kind of anxiety-filled rather than being a calm and quiet place to to really nurture oneself back to health. That's very important. In the 19th century, people imagined places they would go for their health as spas, places where there would be healing water, where there was silence, quiet, peacefulness, understanding that that's what people needed. And they needed long periods of time in these places, not just a day, not just an hour, not seeing a doctor for five minutes. All of that would be absurd in uh, in the context of that notion of what healing meant. I think we need to get back to that notion of spa, not necessarily literally not the way they did it, but the way we could do it. And that means to create a, a healing environment where as soon as you walk into it, you know that you're, you're in a good place for your body and your spirit and your soul. It's a place where you, are, you, you, you can be healed and not a place that's, that's anxious because that's probably what got you sick in the first place, being surrounded by anxiety. For those that are in the hospice field, they seem to incorporate more of that soul aspect in their work. Is that some of what needs to be infused? 
I think so. I, I uh, started out in my uh, work with, uh, with the medical field, uh, mainly with hospice, and I was awfully impressed. And I, I saw a lot of things happening. They were aware of the healing environment, how important that was. They were aware of families. It wasn't uh, all pleasant by any means. Hospice workers work very hard to help people resolve some of their family conflicts. So that can be very, very difficult and, uh, and uh, aggressive. Uh, but on the other hand, if you go into a hospice area of a hospital where the hospice is, you, you feel the peace and the calm. And I think that comes partly from the hospice workers uh, having to deal with death and dying and the ultimate issues. Once you start paying attention to the ultimate matters and develop a spiritual awareness, I think naturally you're going to understand the importance of calm and quiet. As, as a, a woman that's expecting uh, another child in about three weeks, the, the common phrase that keeps coming to my mind is it takes a village to raise a child. And I think that that's the same case when it comes to a hospital. We have to allow our patients uh, to be cared for as if the village is there, allow the the communication and the connection between doctor, nurse, chaplain, and anyone, including the environment of that place, to be a nurturing and caring and loving environment for that individual to truly come back to their healing and their wholeness, or at least a calm reconciliation of who and where they are. My guest today has been Thomas Moore, author of the book, Care of the Soul in Medicine. I urge you to connect to his website, careofthesoul.net. You can find out more about him, many of his wonderful spiritual books and tapes, and also events that he has uh, that are ongoing. Thank you, Thomas, so much for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It has been an honor and a pleasure and an absolutely wonderful conversation that you are bringing into the world that definitely needs to occur at this time. Thank you, Simran. I enjoyed it very much. My guest next week is Debbie Rosas uh, with the NIA Technique. I hope you'll join me as we speak to this dynamic woman that is allowing women and men across the country to gently step into the joy of their bodies, allowing their joints ease through many healing techniques of movement. Until then, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.